You are entering the Freedom Hut. Trump rallies patriots at Mount Rushmore over Independence Day weekend. The media lies about his speech. A Frederick Douglass statue attacked. Columbus statue also attacked in Baltimore. And hydroxychloroquine revisited. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters. With actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America, you're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. We will proclaim the ideals of the Declaration of Independence, and we will never surrender the spirit and the courage and the cause of July 4th, 1776. Upon this ground, we will stand firm and unwavering in the face of lies meant to divide us, demoralize us, and diminish us. We will show that the story of America unites us, inspires us, includes us all, and makes everyone free. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. I hope you had an excellent Independence Day weekend Celebrated with friends, family, loved ones. Back into the breach we go today, though, with all the latest news and what's happening across the country. And oh, my, we have our hands full. But a few months away from a presidential election, from national elections to determine control of the House and the Senate. And today might be your last real breather before the complete insanity just overwhelms everything you see on the news Uh, One has the sense that after Trump's speech, which was excellent, uh, was well delivered and was perfect in tone, that media is now in a moment of regrouping to figure out what the most effective means of terrifying people, pulling us apart from each other, undermining the very foundations of this country and, of course, elevating the Marxist socialist Democrat Party in whatever way that they possibly can. Here's why what the president did over the weekend was so important. It was a statement of love for this country rooted in fact, rooted in history. He recited the history, a brief history of the four presidents who Mount Rushmore pays homage to. Right. So he went over Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln and Roosevelt. He told us, why are these men great? And then he also told everybody that we will not give up on the celebration of America's history, of our heroes and of our accomplishments. Producer Mark, play clip 12. There could be no better place to celebrate America's independence than beneath this magnificent, incredible, majestic mountain and monument to the greatest Americans who have ever lived. Today, we pay tribute to the exceptional lives and extraordinary legacies of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. I am here as your president to proclaim before the country and before the world This monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their 
achievements will never be forgotten, and Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. The president has made it very clear that he will not bend, he will not cave on this issue of the desecration of monuments, that he believes that our shared history as Americans is important to us and that he's willing to take action to defend it. On the other hand, what you hear from the Democrat Party is a much much more full-throated statement than we're used to from him about this, that, you know, hatred of America has always been a part of the Democrat Party. If you hate America, and I really mean this, if you think that America is evil, racist, exploitative, uh, warmongering, and seeks to dominate the globe through oppression, and now if we add to this the leftist uh, version of what is considered white supremacy, fascinating to discuss that in a country of 330 million that is incredibly diverse, and uh, that people from all over the world still very much want to come and live in of all races, ethnicities, creeds, and colors. But hatred of, of America has always been a part of the Democrat Party. In 2020, it has really become a central theme. And I hate to be the one that has to point this out, but I'm going to. This is really just because of Trump. They don't have to hide it. They don't feel the need to uh, push this just into the corners of the Democrat Party anymore. It is now a central theme for them because how else could they explain how Donald Trump could become president of the United States? The left has become so deranged in their Trump hatred, and I don't think everything should be or is about Donald Trump. I think there's a lot of other stuff in politics, never mind in life, that one should focus on, even people who work in the media. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, But for the left, Trump is evidence that we still are committing unpardonable sins. And to make that case, they look at the unpardonable sins of the past, real failings, but failings that should be viewed in the context of the time, failings that should be viewed as what what was standard in the world, not just in America, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. I mean, if you're going to gauge our history, you have to at least do it in the context of what humanity was doing at the time and what was considered standard uh, standard for <clears throat> moral and decent societies then. But instead, what we have is, well, if they've elected Trump, clearly this country hasn't learned the proper lessons. If they still want to reelect Trump, there is a a grave and an unforgivable injustice that America is committing just in that choice. You see, when you look at what is wrong, what is uh, evil about America's past, slavery, uh, Jim Crow, the internment of Japanese Americans, uh, the treatment of Native Americans at different periods in different places in the country. You, you look at these things and you'd say, well, clearly from our own morality today, We can understand and people did understand at the time as well, but certainly not large majorities of public opinion, uh, depending on where you were and what time period we're talking about. One would think that any rational person could separate out those true stains on our history that we worked so hard to get past as a country that we fought in the case of slavery, a brutal civil war in which 
Hundreds of thousands of Americans were killed. Hundreds of thousands more uh, wounded, grievously wounded. Remember, this is a time when if you got hit with a with a musket ball, you were likely to lose an arm or a leg. And yet the election of Donald Trump for the liberal mind is in keeping with those uh, with the evils of the past. They, they view this as evidence. And I, I, re- I think it's important to understand this. They view Trump's election as evidence that we have not come that far as a country, because otherwise you look at what's going on in, in society. And you say, where are liberals? Where do liberals think they're living? There are huge riots and protests going on that are about hunting of black men by cops. This is what this is the term. These are the terms, the verbiage they use. And then you say, well, hold on a second. More white people are killed by cops in America than black people every year. The most comprehensive study of people who are engaged in an interaction with police where there's a suspicion of a crime, an important distinguishing per capita feature here, uh, white, uh, white people who, you know, white Americans who have a, an interaction with cops for the same kind of conduct in the same situation, according to a very large study out of Harvard that, of course, now the liberals attack constantly, are more likely to be killed than uh, black individuals who have a similar interaction with police. So but that's all doesn't the numbers don't matter. And as we know, we've moved past George Floyd. They barely even talk about George Floyd anymore. No, instead, it's this moving target of America is awful, and here's why. This is what the Democrats, and just if you watch the Joe Biden speech that he released, it was like a minute and 30 seconds, it was quick, but his public statement on Independence Day weekend, the Democrat Party's official position with Joe Biden at their head now, which is really all you need to know about the Democrats. But, you know, America, disappointing humanity since 1776. That's, that's where the Democrats are now. And you would think this is so absurd. We live in a country where the laws do treat people equally, meaning the laws themselves are, in fact, race neutral, with the only exceptions being that uh, white Americans and Asian Americans are disadvantaged officially as a matter of practice in college admissions and in some hiring decisions as a function of law. That's the only place where you can find discrimination and is, in fact, in favor of the uh, underrepresented minority groups in this country, right? So we do have equality in the law. We, we've achieved so much. We live in a country where, you know, and of course, we just had, uh, had a, a black president for eight years, and you have people from all over the world who show up here and do incredibly well. The average Asian American per capita household income is higher than any other group, including white Americans. Uh, You have people from all over the world, including Nigerian immigrants, for example, have a very high household income. If you come here and you do things the right way and you work hard, you can do really, really well and live a great life. That is still true. And those of us who were, you know, having a little bit of a celebration, drinking some beer or champagne or, you know, whatever you want over the weekend and thinking about what an amazing country this is not just for us but for the whole world to know that a place like this can even exist to celebrate america is like to is like to love a family member or a close friend that's not to say that the person is perfect but it's to say that you recognize what a gift that human being is in your life we have been given a gift of this country 
and for reasons of just pure ideological spite, Democrats have embraced the embrace the widespread belief that America is so deeply flawed that, as Biden said recently, he wishes to be elected so he can transform it. Why must America be transformed? This goes back to the rhetoric of the Obama campaign. We remember that the fundamental transformation of America. That's quite a thing to promise you're going to do about a country that has been the most successful, the freest, the fairest, uh, provided the most amount of people with a good life, with a prosperous existence, with the ability to choose their own destiny, uh, with having a real shot at life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's not something that we should just cede to the left that that doesn't matter anymore, right? That, oh, what, what America has done that has been good somehow does not get any focus in this discussion. It's only the failings. It's only the problems of the past. But I, I have to tell you, this is really a, a form of Trump derangement syndrome that we are seeing. People who are invested in these narratives, whether it's BLM or Antifa or the statue topplers or any of the rest of these uh, Marxist agitators out on the streets and the Democrat Party that provides this this really facade of, you know, moderate political respectability when the far left, as we know, is actually pushing the agenda and certainly the narrative these days. The people who are doing this are most angry, not about America's past or America's history. They're most angry that Donald Trump is president. And once and I, and I know that's crazy, but they're crazy. Once you understand that, once you accept that basic premise, that that basic observation of the reality around us, everything else can make more sense. This is why, you know, whether they're destroying Columbus statues or destroying or, or you know, want to change the names of sports teams or they want to do this or that. And, you know, everyone's out there bending the knee in corporate America, hoping they don't get in trouble. All these things that are happening. It all makes sense if you start from the premise that that there is a large portion of America most of the Democrat Party at this point that is outraged beyond reason that Donald Trump has been president and then he could be president again. In the back of their mind, sure, they're talking about how great Joe Biden would be. They are emotionally and psychologically terrified at the still very real prospect that Donald Trump might be president for four more years. And they view that as yet another irredeemable sin for this country. I know this has this is a complete Loss of perspective that we're talking about here. This makes no sense. That's why it's Trump derangement syndrome. It's not Trump. I disagree with his politics syndrome. It's people have lost it. They've lost it. And that's why they're looking for all this. That's why there are people who are screaming at others, wear a mask. And they're getting all these fights. There's all this rage and anger out there. Democrats are harnessing this for their own political purposes. But the real wellspring, the real origin of so much of what you're seeing right now is just Donald Trump was elected. And that to the mind of a committed leftist to a true Democrat, a real believer in the collectivist Marxist removal of what we had thought were the foundational, the, the, the aspects of America that we held in common and were foundational to our existence here. You know, kicking at the load-bearing walls of American civilization. It all comes from they're so angry that Trump is president. Now, 
has been for almost four years and may be again. Now it'll now everything you see makes sense. Otherwise, it's why are they ta- taking this statue down? Why are they canceling this person? Why doesn't that statue? What? It, it's just anger. Just like the mob runs around and looks for the nearest target to unleash its rage. This conversation we're having now with the left about America's history and everything else, it is all just a vessel. It's all just a vehicle for the expression of rage against Trump. I wish I wish it were more complex and interesting than that. It's not. And that's what was really, I think, highlighted over the weekend by the derangement of Democrats talking about what this country is like now, what its history has been, even all the way up to Joe Biden himself trying to be the moderate blue-collar Joe. Guy is nuts. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Kicking off the Independence Day weekend, President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners and on land wrestled away from Native Americans, told that uh, be focusing on the effort to, quote, tear down our country's history. CNN, and this is the most CNN thing you could ever imagine. CNN engaged in just blatant anti-Trump and, and anti-American propaganda here, right? Taking this, this incredibly negative, oh, oh, Buck, but what they're saying is true. Was it true when Obama went to Mount Rushmore and celebrated it, or when Bernie Sanders went to Mount Rushmore and celebrated it? I, I just want to know. Are they going to be held responsible? No, of course not. No, of course not. Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners that on land wrestled away from Native Americans. Uh, for, for those who really want, want to go with this stolen land from Native Americans line, I'd like to know, what is, the, what is the remedy today? And this is the question I want you to have in the back of your mind as we go through all of this. What do the people complaining about, whether it's the lack of wokeness or the lack of, or, or the, you know, the lack of tearing down statues or Mount Rushmore or Christopher Columbus or whatever it is, what is really the remedy? Oh, put the people they like in charge now. But they won't tell you what they want to do. It's just put the people they like in charge. As I've said, this is really ultimately about power. And right now it's about Trump. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. 1776 represented the culmination of thousands of years of Western civilization and the triumph of not only spirit, but of wisdom, philosophy, and reason. And yet, as we meet here tonight, there is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, struggled, they bled to secure. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, to fame our heroes, erase our values and indoctrinate our children. That's exactly what they're trying to do, right? Erase our history, defame our values, indoctrinate our children. I mean, this this was an excellent speech. So good. I watched it and then I went back and read the transcript of it. And whoever was in charge of writing this one should be the one in, in charge of writing, you know, all the speeches going up to Election Day for Trump. This was much more the tone that we need from this president. He wasn't he wasn't, uh, you know, angry or outraged. He was firm, resolute, 
and truthful in defense of America, in defense of its virtue, its decency, and yes, its unique role in the world and in human history and human civilization. Democrats, on the other hand, wanted to just do the petty nonsense. I mean, you cannot overstate how how reckless, how disgraceful and how hypocritical, for example, CNN is in its coverage of this. I mean, CNN is as an institution should receive no respect from any honest, clear thinking person in America. None. It is an organ of DNC propaganda. It bows to the left wing mob constantly. It does not care to even put out the pretense of objectivity anymore, which is one of the reasons why I attack it so much. And also remember that it's what people in Democrat, you know, Democrats in Congress, it's what they watch and they want to see, you know, they want to see Cooper and fake Tapper and bro Cuomo. I want to see them uh, say nice things about them on TV. That does push the narrative for them in different ways. And yet, Here's here, you know, here is the way that CNN talks about these things, among other places. They were going after they were going after the monument itself, which is just completely absurd. Um, Play clip seven. Donald Trump chose the most grandiose symbol of U.S. imperialism on Earth to usher in a very on-brand, star-spangled spectacle. The mother of all photo ops, Mount Rushmore. And we know why this president just can't resist going there. President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners and on land wrestled away from Native Americans. We have to acknowledge that Mount Rushmore is sitting on Lakota land. The place Donald Trump is going to on Friday is stolen land. He will inevitably and predictably talk about our heritage. In other words, he will talk about he is the protector of white America. And to indigenous people, Mount Rushmore with four white presidents, two of whom were slave owners, is one of those symbols. They are they are delusional about what was said here, although I shouldn't say that because they're also they're so dishonest that it's very challenging to separate out what they're on what they're lying about because they have lost their minds versus what they're lying about on purpose. For example, the statement that Trump was just there to, to defend, show himself as a defender of white America uh, in the speech, he said, quote, we are the nation that gave rise to the Tuskegee Airmen, Harriet Tubman, Clara Barton, Jesse Owens, um, the great Louis Armstrong, Muhammad Ali. The president of the United States elevating a number of uh, African-Americans from our past as heroes and as icons. But. Oh, that part gets ignored. They just pretend like he doesn't say things like that through the speech. There was nothing in this speech that was off in terms of tone. There was nothing in this. Oh, the New York Times. It was a dark speech. It was a dangerous speech, a divisive one. Washington Post, the same thing. Any speech that President Trump gives, that's not just capitulation. I'm going to bend the knee. I'm so sorry. Would be unacceptable to left. We all know this. There's no point in pretending otherwise. We've already been made to understand this. And in fact, there will be not just members of the media, but Democrats in elected office who, unsurprisingly to all of you, will just 
lie about what the president said. They'll just lie about it. Here, for example, is Senator Tammy Duckworth speaking right after the speech. And she knew everybody in the media was saying, oh, it was bad, it was bad. She understands what she's supposed to say. Doesn't doesn't matter to her that the commander in chief gave an excellent speech that no normal patriotic American could think was ominous or dangerous. If anything, they'd think, wow, that was what we really needed to hear right now. We're not giving up America. We're not handing over American history or present or future to the mob. Not doing it. You know, all this defund the police, tear down the statues. People are angry, man. Let them do whatever they want to do. This is Trump derangement syndrome. I keep saying it. That's the we have a dual pandemic in this country. We have COVID-19, which we can manage and we'll deal with. And I will talk more about that later. Don't believe the panic. Don't believe the panic. Uh, Don't fall into the panic. And then we have the pandemic of Trump derangement syndrome that influences the way that people that this president is. Remember, he's an affront to their sense of who they are, their role in society, the elites, those in control of this country, the establishment, that whole class. He's come along with no political experience and everything he does, they take as a personal insult that, you know, the Democrats in Congress in state offices, CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, college campuses across the country, the faculty lounges, Hollywood, Donald Trump's existence and role as president, they take personally. And I know that's not rational or reasonable, but that's what I'm telling you. Once you understand the truth of what's going on, then it starts to make sense. Otherwise, you're just overwhelmed by all the, oh, what's going on? Why are they tearing down this statue? And they'll lie because they're so certain that Trump is a grave threat to our republic. They'll lie because why not? As long as it damages the president of the United States, they view it as entirely justified. Here is uh, Senator Duckworth talking, giving her version of what the Trump speech over the weekend was. Play clip three. What really struck me about the speech that the president gave at Mount Rushmore was that he spent more time uh, worried about uh, honoring dead Confederates than he did talking about the lives of our American, the 130,000 Americans who lost their lives to COVID-19 or um, by warning Russia off of the bounty they're putting on Americans' heads. I mean, his, his priorities are all wrong here. He should be talking about what we're going to do to overcome this pandemic. What are we going to do to push Russia back? And instead, he had no time for that. He spent all his time talking about dead traitors. Spent all his time talking about dead traitors. Now, you can go back and read the transcript. There was no mention of uh, people from the Confederacy. There was no elevation of Confederate generals. There was. So what she's saying is just not true unless Unless she views the founders themselves, Jefferson and Washington and and others, they're clearly dead, views them as traitors, traitors to humanity, human rights, the Constitution. It's not quite clear, but she was asked, well, Senator, what, what do you think about George Washington? You go to work when the Senate actually is in session in a place named for General George Washington, President George Washington. Should they change that? 
Washington State, Washington, D.C., all the universities, all the streets. I mean, my gosh, we got a lot of work to do here, right? Should they change all of that? Here is what Senator Duckworth said. Play clip two. So that may be be true, but George Washington, Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would call him a traitor. And there are moves by some to remove uh, statues of him. Is that a good idea? I think we should listen to the, everybody. I think we should listen to to the argument there. But remember that the president at Mount Rushmore was standing on ground that was stolen from Native Americans who had actually been given that land during a treaty. Um, and again, let's talk about the greater context of where we are in our country right now. Can, there, there's so much here. One, notice the CNN anchor, Donna Bosch, on TV for for honestly reasons, you know, friends with Zucker and co. Otherwise, it makes I don't understand, but I, I don't want to spend time on that. Um, what exactly is necessary for an anchor to say, hey, you're saying that he spent his whole speech talking about dead traitors. That's what was said. Not like it was a mention in there. Whole speech. Like who? Give me one dead traitor. That's the question. If you were an actual journalist trying to get facts, trying to get information to the public, who's the dead traitor? No, instead, it's OK. That may be true. It is not. But, you know, CNN, they don't it, uh, come on. No one expects them to be honest or intelligent. Uh, that may be true. But what about George Washington? And she says this is the classic liberal maneuver when you're a Democrat and you have to continue this facade, this front that you don't you haven't just signed on for, you know, I hate America, which is what Democrats are saying right now. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Right. A lot of Democrats are saying, you know, they they hate America Um, as it is now. They need to transform it. Then it'll be good. Just put them in charge. That's the bargain. That's what they're telling us. Our history is full of racism and evil and oppression and colonialism. And Donald Trump's in charge today. The only way to make things better, put us all in charge. Then America won't be awful. That's that is the message of Democrats in 2020. That's just a fact or it's obvious, I should say. Technically, it's not a fact. It's an observation. Um, But then she switches from, oh, uh, everyone should be heard. This is the this is Democrats speak for. I don't want swing voters to hear me say that I'm going to want to tear down statues of George Washington, but I don't want to offend my psychotic left wing activists. So I'm just going to say everyone should be heard. Everyone should be heard at a time when you can get fired, as somebody recently was, for an article you wrote 30 freaking years ago about women's roles in combat, which is still a completely legitimate area of debate and discussion today. But when it comes to tearing down statues of Washington, everyone should be heard. Oh, okay. I'm I'm glad we've established that. And then there's this uh, stolen land point. Okay, Democrats, what are we supposed to do about the stolen land? I would go back and talk about all of the stolen land among Native American and, and indigenous peoples before the European explorers arrived here. Um, but there's no written record of it, so we don't know. So... We do know that there was constant warfare and fighting going on, and we also know that a vast majority of, I mean, over 97% is the count that I've seen of the uh, fatalities that occurred uh, 
during the colonial expansion of America came from disease, which no one would have had any idea how to stop or spread or anything, really. All they know is that people get it and they give it to other people. Um, but just put all that aside for a moment. What are we supposed to do about the stolen land point? Who are we supposed to give the land to now? Supposed to give all of America to someone? What does that mean for the people who were born here? I mean, really think this through. This is a point that stupid people think is intelligent. What are we going to do? What's the plan? You know, my ancestors come from from England and Ireland. So I'm here now. I was born here. Am I am I supposed to work? Am I supposed to to pay off what was done to indigenous peoples? Uh, before at least most of my ancestors even got here? Am I supposed to be writing checks? So I am to work. My labor is to go toward paying off a debt for my ancestors? The guilt of the father should not be visited upon the son, right? We all understand that this is not the way that a a society can really function, that you're going to be held responsible for that which you did not do. But what would we do? Okay, let's say we said, you know what? The moral stain of America against the Native Americans uh, is too much. So I just want to, what, what name would be acceptable for the country? You know, we can no longer name it after Amerigo Vespucci. Who should we name the country? Well, what is this place called? What is this place called? Does anyone have an idea? Should it even be in English? Because isn't that kind of imperialist, right? What? what? This is idiocy from people that just want to be angry and they want to feel smart without having to do any of the actual work to know what smart sounds like. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. From this night and from this magnificent place, Let us go forward united in our purpose and rededicated in our resolve. We will raise the next generation of American patriots. We will write the next thrilling chapter of the American adventure. And we will teach our children to know that they live in a land of legends, that nothing can stop them, and that no one can hold them down. That's the dark and divisive message, according to the media, that Trump had. This was good. It was a clarifying moment. It was the president saying what needed to be said and the opposition to the president, the Marxist street thugs and rabble rousers, the people that are out there trying to tear down and destroy who have no real plan, no reasonable, intelligent plan to make things better for people, everyone, all people in this country. You know, I want a country that is rooted in rule of law and and love for American ideals where people have the best shot possible to pursue their own happiness and to be safe and to be, you know, have as much opportunity as possible, including for the psycho Antifa lunatics who are out there, because maybe maybe things will actually in time uh, be so clearly good that they will stop hating America. But I don't even know if that's possible. I don't, even, I, don't, I don't know what that would even look like. We had three years of Trump presiding over peacetime and a booming economy. And what were they saying? Oh, he's a traitor for Russia. Uh, these people have really been emotionally and psychologically damaged by the constant propagandizing 
of the socialists who call themselves Democrats. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we move on to the COVID panic that is uh, getting stoked again in the media across the country, the latest numbers with that, and, and also some other some other battles in the culture war that continue to play out in boardrooms and on Zoom calls now, because that's where people are really doing a lot of their conversing about business and dealing with colleagues now. So, you know, people forget the rules. The rules are when you're talking about, say, diversity and inclusion, you better shut up if you're a white male, not allowed to ask any questions, share any thoughts, because you never know. You never know if your wokeness will be considered insufficient for your corporation. That's a lesson that a lot of people are learning. And it's not just white males, other people, too. If you're if your wokeness you know, the, the white males have the least amount of in the woke world. We live in the least amount of ability uh, to offend the new. This is political correctness again. That's we're just calling it something out. Woke is just a new term for PC. But PC has now overtaken all of all of uh, corporate America. And it's sad to see it happen. But that's where we are. No one's allowed to have independent thoughts. No one's allowed to ask any real questions. Just nod your head. Yes, yes, absolutely. Whatever we're told by the corporate consultants about about white privilege, we must nod our heads. OK, sure. We'll get into that. But but I did want to say that the president, um, while he mentioned a number of African-American heroes from our past and uh, he, he went into greater detail about because they're on the monument behind him, the individuals who are commemorated on on Mount Rushmore, um, Frederick Douglass is someone who. You would think to anybody who knows American history would be held up as a a moral hero, a uh, a really a, a genius in, in his time, uh, an incredibly talented writer. His 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 rhetorical skills were profound and he had a statue or a statue of Frederick Douglass in Rochester, New York, which was where the abolitionist newspaper uh, the North Star was originally located. Later, it was Frederick Douglass's paper. Uh, a statue was toppled and and damaged and not entirely destroyed and dragged into a into a ravine on the anniversary of one of of one of what is uh, Frederick Douglass's most well known speeches. And so, I, I just thought I would take a moment, given that his statue was desecrated, and we're not we don't know who it is yet. We're not supposed to think that it's. Part of this iconoclastic iconoclasm spasm from Democrats, from self-righteous idiot Democrats all across the country. Uh, we're, we're supposed to think, oh, we may we may never know the people, the, the ideology behind the destroying of a statue when there are all these statues being destroyed across the country. Maybe it's a false flag operation. That's what I had some lib journos come at me with. And look, I mean, it's possible. It's possible that that happened i can't prove it but i mean really that's what we're gonna go with here's what everyone should know about frederick Douglass. he was his story i am surprised quite honestly that it has not been made should be made into a major series on a channel frederick Douglass should be at the very top of the conversations about people to be honored whether it's on our currency or new statues or new whatever uh, to, to honor the heroes of our past. 
Uh, here's a man who thought, wrote, spoke, debated at the very highest levels, who started out not just with with difficult, I mean, with with deeply oppressive origins, born to a slave mother in Maryland. His father was white. He never knew his father. His father was never a part of of his life. And he was raised uh, as a slave in, in Maryland and was taught after he was a, he would be assigned these different slave roles and was taught to read against the law at the time by the wife of a uh, of the slave slave owner that he was work I mean, that he was engaged in labor for. Um, and Frederick Douglass, you know, escaped. He went to the north. He became a true firebrand of abolition. He traveled overseas, raised money, was part of uh, one of the most important abolitionist newspapers founded in Rochester, New York. He raised money in Europe, came back. He had to evade slave hunters who were trying to find him up in, I believe it was Massachusetts at one point in his life. So he was under true duress, had to first escape, which is a, a, hor- a terrifying ordeal for which we know this, the consequences could be severe, escaped to the north, evaded slave hunters, became a voice of true power and change in the abolitionist movement, got together with other abolitionists in the north, founded a newspaper, bought his own freedom, was part of convincing Abraham Lincoln of the importance of making the Civil War a war to end slavery, continued to be a senior advisor to the United States uh, government even after the Civil War and the Reconstruction era, held high posts in the federal government. I mean, the guy was incredible, incredible, and yet does not receive, quite honestly, from, from any part of American culture, does not receive his due. I know they made a Harriet Tubman movie recently. I've not yet seen it. I plan on watching it. And Harriet Tubman also has a very, a very inspiring story. But, I mean, Frederick Douglass was... Frederick Douglass belongs in that same pantheon along alongside the, the the true the true brilliance of the founders and of Lincoln. And, and he he is at that level in every sense. And I, I wanted to tell you some of his background. And this is just extemporaneously uh, what I have, what I can draw upon for you during the show. But his statue was destroyed in Rochester. So we have to think if, if, a, if a statue of Frederick Douglass, I, I know I saw the destruction by a, by a bunch of idiots in Baltimore of a Christopher Columbus statue. Christopher Columbus was in the 15th century. I, I don't know what the left thinks, but you're not going to find a human being on planet Earth in the 15th century that is sufficiently woke. Not one. No one. There is no such thing. No one in the 15th century was where they would need to be on on, you know, male-female equality, on equality of the races, on trans equality, nothing. In the 15th century, you're not going to get that from anybody. So I guess no 15th century figures allowed to have statues, right? I mean, this is, it's just crazy. But this is also what $50,000 a year tuition from left-wing indoctrination factories that have sold people on the false promise that just take out all these loans or have your parents pay to have you go to one of these uh, institutions that, you know, are kind of middling, to be honest with you. They're kind of meh. 
there are really very few schools that have the kind of brand value that make the price tag worth it, even at the undergrad level. That's why more and more people should go to state school, in-state tuition, go to cheaper programs, get a better education, go to, you know, go do professional training, go do graduate work if you want, but get someone else to pay for it. There's a, there needs to be a whole rethink of that. But anyway, the little idiots running around in uh, Baltimore destroying the Statue of Columbus. They put a video up of it. So th- we, we know they've already been doing that. And they've already attacked statues of people who fought against the Confederacy. They've attacked abolitionist statues in D.C. They've attacked uh, in Minnesota a statue of of someone who who fought for the North. I mean, it's just there's no rhyme or reason to it, really, because they're just looking to destroy and to intimidate. But even for Democrats, I've got to say, the ones who remember a little bit of American history, Destroying a statue of Frederick Douglass is uh, that's just too much. So this is why they're not saying, well, but what about this thing that he did? They're saying, oh, it must have been a false flag operation. Could be, but it's a little bit. It's a little bit like saying, you know, maybe this time, maybe this time, all reason and all evidence will point us in the wrong direction because all reason and evidence this weekend when there are statues being toppled by Democrat mobs everywhere is that yet again, this was... And I'm sure you could find idiots on the left who would say that the, you know, the elevation of Frederick Douglass is somehow used as a tool by the right or by conservatives, whatever, right? You'll find someone to say something really stupid about this. But to anybody who has a functioning brain still, um, if they'll destroy statues of Frederick Douglass... They will destroy statues of of literally anyone. Think of anyone that statue could be next. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. What do you do when the left freaks out at you? How do you handle the arguments that the liberals are using these days? I, I get this question all the time. And there's a part of me that would want to retreat into my high school Lincoln Douglas training and say, well, you know, you need to what, what is their premise and what is your premise? And you need to, you know, go into the rebuttals. And all. Oh, no, 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 no. That's fine. But that's not really going to work these days. You need to understand that the left isn't making arguments. They are expressing emotions. And and they also, therefore, view any pushback against them or, or any uh, effort to, you know, to give an opposing point of view as an assault on how they feel, which is very personal. It's very personal. It, it, so you can't have a discussion about something that does not feel like it has crossed a line with someone who all of their political arguments are like, but I, it's like violence when you say that. I feel unsafe when you say that we should restore the SALT deductions for blue states. How do you argue with that, right? And then when you get into some actually sensitive topics, ho-ho, it is bad news. It is bad news for sure. Very difficult to have a real conversation. And, And here's an example of this. This is a video that's gone, starting to go viral. By the time you, you hear or see this, it might actually have gone fully viral. Um, at a New York City Education Council meeting. Now, you got to remember, if you're involved in public education in New York City, 
the chances that you are a Bernie Sanders loving radical leftist who maybe maybe thinks that like Stalin got a bad rap. You know, like I mean, he, he had some good ideas. The, the chances of that are pretty high. The chances that you're effectively a social justice commie are very high. OK, so understand that this is not like a group of just random, random assortment from across America. This is the libs among the libs because public education in New York City is the is really the the belly of the left wing beast, so to speak. I mean, it is as in the center of the statist progressive wheelhouse as you could possibly find. And that's why this was so interesting. Now, all, we, the only part of the video that you can see is is this woman's response. But I wanted to set this up before you, we play the audio. And hopefully producer Mark has like the full audio and not just a short version of it. But the the audio is of this a woman, Robin Broshi, who is criticizing a male colleague of hers because during a Zoom call where everyone's in their homes during a Zoom call, a friend of his child, who is described in this audio as brown, sat on his knee for a second, which how is that? Uh, uh, yeah, here you go. Here's the argument from the uh, this is lib on lib. Emotional violence is what this is. Play clip 11. To say that hurts people when they see a white man bouncing a brown baby on their lap and they don't know the context. That is harmful. That makes people cry. It makes people log out of our meetings. They don't come here. They don't come to our meetings and they give me a hard time because I'm not vocal enough and I'm not trying to be a martyr. I'm trying to illustrate to you that you think I'm a, excuse me, you think I'm a social justice warrior and you think I'm being patronizing and I'm getting pressure for not being enough of an advocate. And I take that to heart and that hurts me. And I have to learn to make how to be a better white person. I would like you to know before this meeting adjourns, you that. I would like to know before this meeting adjourns how having my friend's nephew on my lap was hurtful to people and was racist. Can you please I, I, explain? Tom, I've explained it to you. You can uh, Google, you can read a book. Read a book. Read Ibram Kendi. Read White Fragility. Read How to said. Talk to White People. No, no, no it's no, not no, my job no. to educate you. You're an okay. educated white man. You're right. And you can read a book. My friend is going to educate you. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Get her a job on MSNBC. She needs it right away. Have her run for office. She can be con- she can be the congresswoman from Brooklyn in a heartbeat. You know, let, let, let her go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It was fantastic. This guy who I, I just from looking at him. I'm telling you, he watches Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow, too. OK, this guy's a lib. He's on the New York City Council uh, Education, you know, New York City Education Council. And notice how she just this. She, oh, she's uh, she went to Wellesley. I, I did a little due diligence, went to Wellesley. I'm sure is like a feminist 
studies major or an education studies major, which people that major in education are also indoctrinated. It's like sociology. It's all just left wing claptrap uh, with a veneer of academia around it. But I just thought this was great. He's like, no, no, seriously, explain to me how it is hurtful to people watching a Zoom call that this guy's in his own home and his friend who has a minority nephew, you know, and I, I didn't see the video of the of the child. So I don't know. I think he's described as, as brown friend who has a minority nephew sits on the guy's, uh, you know, knee for a second in the video. He's like, no, really, I want to know. She's like, read a book, read white fragility. And, you know, the thing about this is that if I show this video to most of the libs that I know in New York City and Los Angeles and D.C. and said, well, you look at this one, they'd say, well, you know, I mean, she she has a point here. It really is, uh, it really is for some people triggering to have a. and it's like, no, wait, why is it triggering? Just because she, she's upset by it? What is the rationale? It's not even possible to think of what... But all she saw was a white guy, brown child, and then it just gets jumbled up in her mind to be like, I'm not enough of an advocate! This is not okay! This is lunacy. This is lunacy. Any person who has any understanding at all of race relations and and just basic humanity would say here's just a guy with a friend's child spending time together in a in an affable and friendly way how how could any normal person find that is a problem figure that that's some kind of an issue you have to really do somersaults around logic and reason but That is mainstream for Democrats now, especially if they went to Wellesley. Let me tell you. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I think right now we're where we were when New York City was having its peak epidemic. If you look back, um, when New York City peaked, we had about 34,000 cases a day. At the time, we were probably diagnosing 1 in 20 infections. So that meant we were having 700,000 new infections a day. Right now, we're going to have about 60,000 infections a day this week. Maybe we'll reach 75,000 or get close to it. We're probably diagnosing 1 in 12 infections. CDC said 1 in 10 a few weeks ago. It's probably 1 in 12 now because we're falling behind. That means we have about 700,000 infections a day. day nationally. So we're right back where we were at the peak of the epidemic during the New York outbreak. The difference now is that we really had one epicenter of spread when New York was going through its hardship. Now we really have four major epicenters of spread, Los Angeles, cities in Texas, cities in Florida, um, and Arizona. And Florida looks to be in the worst shape and Georgia's heating up as well. And that's concerning. Former uh, FDA Commissioner Gottlieb here making the case quite clearly uh, that we're worse off now with COVID-19 than we were at any, at any other point. That's, that's what we're being told. That, that this is the worst that this has been, or, or at least it goes back to the very, the very beginning of this. Um, my friends, this is insane. This is insane. I'm looking right now as I talk to you, okay, at the coronavirus Centers for Disease Control and Prevention cases and deaths in the U.S. updated 
yesterday, July 5th. Okay. Total new cases, 52,228, it says. This is compared to the data the day before. Total deaths, 271. Now, I understand that the way the reporting works, you're likely to see some displacement of deaths that occurred over the weekend into Monday reporting. I know that. I get that. But it's not going to be a displacement of 1,000 or 2,000 or no. What this is telling us is that the infection is spreading primarily to healthier, younger people who are able to handle and clear the virus, which then means that their immune systems will block the virus going forward. This then protects the overall community. It's not quite true herd immunity, but this is the only way this was ever going to go. You know, people just won't listen. They, they won't stand for reason on this one. Everyone just gives into panic and politics, and there is no other choice. Shutting down the country continuously, continuously, continuously till there's no COVID-19 out there is madness. We don't do this for seasonal flu. And when you look at the numbers now of what's happening now, not three months ago, now with this disease, you know, they're just beginning to tabulate how many people have died from uh, the actual lockdown policy, from lack of treatment for various diseases, from lack of diagnoses for, for cancer, overdoses, diseases of despair. You know, we're always told mental health is health. What they have done to people's mental health, that's part of why you're seeing all these maniacs out in the streets toppling statues and destroying everything. But no, we have to be told that it's just as bad as it was before. That is not true. It's also not true because we understand more about how to treat the disease. Now, we don't have a, a cure for it and we don't have a vaccine, but doctors and hospitals know more now about what to do at various stages of this. They have a better understanding of what the progression of the disease is, who is at particularly high risk. But total cases, 52,000 new cases as of yesterday from the day before, 271 new deaths. Shut down the country for 271 deaths. Uh, Then now we really have to understand why don't we shut down the country for 100 or 50 deaths a day, which during the height of flu season is not not unusual at all. So we're just going to shut down the country because because people get sick from diseases and people die. Is that is this going to be our answer all the time? Oh, they say, well, it's about managing the flow. Okay, if it's really about managing the flow, then tell us why is it that there are some states where the numbers I'm in one, New York, we're supposed to be in phase three today. There are some states where the numbers support even greater openness, but they won't do it. So they set a standard. We can't open until we hit X and Y numbers for COVID-19. And then some places like New York had to wait and wait and wait. And then we finally get there and they say, yeah, but other places are having a really rough time. So we're going to change the numbers. This is absurd. It's wrong. It's wrong. I, you know, I would like to find a way uh, for there to just be. Look, I, I think we're at the point where there has to be real civil disobedience over this. I think there has to be noncompliance about this stupid and arbitrary rules. 
you know, I did see that, you know, the New York Times had over the weekend. Uh, someone wrote a, a piece about how, well, you know, well, our, here you go. New York Times. This was this was great. Classic. Uh, are protests dangerous? What experts say may depend on who's protesting what. Public health experts decry the anti-lockdown protests last spring as dangerous gatherings in a pandemic. Health experts seem less comfortable doing so now that marches are against racism. No crap. We all knew this. Some libs were pretending like this wasn't true, which was hilarious. Some in the media, too. Oh, no, they didn't say that. They were just saying they were peeling it. Idiots. Idiots. And now, now you should not listen to these frauds. You should not listen to these frauds. If they really cared so much about keeping you safe, they wouldn't change their opinion because, yeah, people have to be in the streets yelling BLM, yeah! No, you can still die if you get coronavirus, even if you're yelling, tear down this statue or Black Lives Matter or whatever it is the protesters are yelling that day. What a stunning a stunning, but it's obvious too. Look, a lot of science, a lot of scientists. They go to the academy, spend a lot of years, you know, in academic institutions. They deal with all this lib indoctrination stuff. Same thing there. Why would anyone think? We all assume, we all know that college campuses are like little Marxist social justice factories, and everyone knows this. But we think that. Oh, but if you were get a master's or a PhD or if you go to law school, it's different. That's not they're not different. They're not. Ask anyone who's gone to law school in the last 10 years. There is there is no real difference. They they have completely seized the academy. They have seized the places that confer credentials and the perception of intellectualism and intelligence on individuals throughout society. Right? That's the real power of these institutions. The reason the left wants control of Berkeley and Harvard and Yale is not because they want to they want to make sure that the most elite classes of students go forward to be leaders in the future. That's all crap. They want, well, first and foremost, to have huge fat endowments and to overpay administrators and professors across the board. Uh, but they also want the ability to confer upon people the credential that will then be useful for the propagation of the ideology that that institution has instilled in them in their four years. You go forward with a Yale or Harvard degree, no matter how stupid the crap you says is about defund police, everyone goes, well, he or she went to Yale, so we must take them seriously on this. No, I disagree. I disagree. It's not true. It's not real. That's not the way that we should view these things. Uh, and, and I'm just very agitated that we're having so many months of our lives taken away. When, when, the, when you really look at what is happening in the country, uh, we're dealing with this as best we can. There is no way to stop this virus, period, full stop. There's no way to stop it. It's just not going to happen. Didn't happen during the worst lockdown, the most extreme lockdown. If it was so easy... Then places all across Europe, I mean, all, all these different countries that locked down, they should have been able to just stop the disease in its tracks. They weren't. One theory that needs a lot more, and I've, I've read from epidemiologists who are willing to break the consensus, is that there's actually much more immunity out there in the population. We're told, oh, there's no immunity. This is totally novel. Novel coronavirus, you hear. 
Well, no, there, there's there are other coronaviruses. And so the body's ability to fight against this virus may vary tremendously individual to individual. Some people may be much more susceptible than others. We have done no real testing on this. We simply do not know. And our case fatality rate for it is lower than any European counterpart. With the, we're basically tied with Germany, right there with Germany on this. All those other socialist healthcare systems like the UK, much worse. Much better to get COVID-19 in America than to get it overseas. Remember that when they're talking about how, oh, we need we need a universal health care system and all this other stuff, they say. It's just not the case that the media and the Democrat Party have a solution to this and that people just won't won't do what they're told. And this is what really continues to drive me nuts. It's not that there's a lack of a willingness to protect ourselves. It's that the advice The mandates, forget about advice. Advice is fine. I'll take all the advice from medical doctors in the world. The mandates from government have been at odds with each other, have been counterproductive at times, have been politicized, and we're supposed to not notice this? We're supposed to, you know, act like this is not the recent history that we've all all gone through? You have the mayor of Miami, for example, play clip eight. Here's what he says. There's no doubt that the fact that we opened and the city of Miami was the last city in the entire state of Florida to open. I was criticized for waiting so long. Uh, but there's no doubt that the fact that when we reopened, people started socializing as if the, the virus didn't didn't exist. And what we saw was uh, before the stay at home order is we saw an increasing uh, slope of 35 new cases per day. Uh, right after we implemented the stay at home order, we started seeing that decline almost immediately. We got ahead of the curve and we we're seeing a decline. Uh, a slope of 14 cases a day. Just uh, before this weekend, the incline slope was 91 new cases per day. So it's almost three times uh, greater slope than it was uh, prior to uh, the stay-at-home order. So, you know, it's, it's extremely worrisome. Cases do not tell you much. Cases from people who have minimal to mild, minimal mild symptoms. Okay, so what? And I always want to ask, I want to scream at these politicians. What is the answer then? We're going to lock down again for six weeks. Guess what? When the lockdown ends and people start living life again, there will be spread of this disease. So what are they even talking about? What is the point that they think they are making with all of this? It's about power. It's about control. And it's about trying to force feed uh, measures and decisions to us that just don't make sense. They just don't make sense. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Oh, this was one of my favorite, my favorite tweets from over the weekend. From CNN, of course, a surprising new study found that the controversial anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine helped COVID-19 patients survive better in the hospital. Oh, my gosh. First of all, why is it surprising? Well, it's surprising because CNN, its anchors, its website, has been promoting that Trump was reckless to be hopeful 
for hydroxychloroquine success. Never, never said it was definitely going to be helpful. Here's what we know. Rooting for this drug to work for the last three months or so, four months now, meant hoping for more human beings to beat this disease and go home to their families. Rooting against this drug and claiming it was unsafe, as CNN and others did, because they associated it with Trump was reckless and stupid and cruel. But that's, once again, you want to understand the depths of Trump derangement syndrome, even when it comes to a drug that would be useful in fighting against a pandemic that is killing a lot of people in America and around the world. Liberals couldn't get past. Trump says this might work. So let's let's convince everybody it doesn't. They might have convinced doctors and some practitioners not to use a drug that would have saved lives. So when you want to talk about the recklessness of the media, the costs of it, let's remember that it's not just in rhetorical terms. There's a cost that is well beyond just the fights that we have on Twitter and in cable news. Decisions are made based upon this information, based upon the narratives that are formed, the positions that are taken. And those decisions can mean very damaging and even tragic things during a pandemic. And then we have the mask chorus. Oh, my. Here we go. We have uh, what is this? Governor Murphy, that the mask requirement is here. Here. Play clip nine. But do you think that there should be a national mask requirement? I do. I do, Andrea. It's become almost uh, not even debatable. Uh, Certainly when you're going out and absolutely indoors. As I mentioned, this virus is a lot more lethal inside than outside. But if you're leaving your house, put on a mask. I think it ought to be a national national requirement. A national mask mandate. This is where Democrats are now. Do you know where the, the thorough and conclusive study about masks preventing the spread of this disease exists. If you do, please let me know, because as of now, it does not exist. I've talked to you about this mask wearing goes back about uh, 120, 130 years as a medical practice. And it's always just been kind of like an accoutrement of medical professionals stretching back to when. Yeah, it makes sense. You don't want to be if you're close to someone, you don't want to spit on them or have. But you're really close to somebody when that's the concern. I have people running around here that want masks to be worn when I walk past them in a, you know, 1500 square foot office lobby, just walking past each other. Where's your mask? Why? It's it's just panic and superstition and control. Mandating mask wearing. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Mandating other people wear it. In outside of healthcare providers or with high risk individuals in an enclosed environment, the science just doesn't support it, folks. It doesn't exist. Show it to me if I'm missing it. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody can relax. I've got the answer, I've got you covered. It's all going to get better. It's all going to be fine. All we have to do is elect the senile imbecile Joe Biden to be president of the United States. And then we're good. That's all you have to do. Coronavirus will go away. The economy will come back. Everything will be great if you 
elevate this deeply unimpressive and honestly just too old and too out of it for the job buffoon to the most powerful job in the world. This, now understand, the people that shame you for not being uh, woke and the people that think that you're a, a foolish and, and an, a disgrace at family dinners or, you know, whatever, because you voted for Trump, they, really, they will look you in the face they will look you in the eye and they'll say with a straight face. Joe Biden will get it done. Joe Biden is an idiot. OK, there's nothing about this guy that has ever, ever been impressive. And, and the fact that he's going to be held up against Trump as some huge improvement. Is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But this is what they're going to do. And if you don't go along with it, you're a bad person. You're a bad person. First off, I mean, yet another you know, the guy can't open his mouth without saying something that sounds like Mad Libs done by drunk teenagers at 3 a.m. But he, here you go. Here's Joe Biden on Joe Biden. Play 17. Good afternoon, everyone. As uh, Lily already indicated, I'm Joe Biden's husband. Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Joe Biden's husband, uh, Joe Biden. Nice. Good job there, buddy. What else do we know about Joe Biden these days? Oh, he gave a speech, and I, I won't play the whole thing for you, but it's pretty straightforward. He gave us a little speech about uh, Independence Day weekend where he's just like, yeah, we didn't really live up to our, we're not really that great, but, you know, we kind of stink sometimes as a country, but, you know, we'll work together. If you just elect me, everything will be cool. Promise. That was basically the speech that America is disappointing, that America isn't what we all those of us who are patriots and and celebrate this country. Democrats weren't celebrating America this weekend. And I don't just mean Colin Kaepernick, who said that the Fourth of July was, quote, a celebration of white supremacy. Wow. There you go. Colin Kaepernick, everybody guy who has made tens of millions of dollars to be a generally mid-tier professional quarterback in the NFL and now is elevated as, as a civil rights icon who has said horrible things about cops and about the country. But he, he is uh, you, you almost you almost got to give him credit. He has pulled off a a switch here. He has pulled off a transformation of his brand that corporate consultants would have to think long and hard to figure out how they could do something like this. Remarkable, remarkable. He's a hero for taking no risk, for elevating himself, and for saying things that tear, tear down the rest of the country. Now we're at a point where if you take a knee, you're a good person. If you just stand for the national anthem, as this happened in a women's soccer match recently, you will have to explain why were you standing? Why would you show respect to the flag? We've gone from how dare you disrespect the flag to how dare you respect the flag? That's where we are right now in the culture as a country. And for heaven's sakes, Hamilton, the beloved by liberals, Hamilton, Broadway play, and, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and, and you know, oh my gosh. They're saying that his... Celebration of the founders now. The founders, as portrayed by minority actors, that 
is not woke enough because that's a an elevation of the American founding. How do we even how, where do you even start with this? But this is what happens. They've they've controlled the culture for decades and very stupid Republicans still say, uh, I don't think that there's anything about a culture war that really matters. We just need to win elections. Oh, okay. You just need to win elections. Kind of tough to do that when basic, not just Republican Party uh, issues and platform, but when basic conversation that involves free thinking and the rule of law and the foundation of America and the celebration of the founders, that is pushed out of the sphere of what is publicly acceptable. Do you think we're going to win elections in that environment? Oh, I mean, I know what they say. Oh, but well, there'll be a huge backlash to this. I don't know. I haven't seen the backlash yet. Still waiting for that backlash to kick in and all of a sudden it to be fashionable again for people to support the founders and to shout down all this insanity, all this absurdity that's currently overtaking America. And one of the absurdities that will overtake America is, of course, our our friend here, Mr. Joe Biden. Here is what he uh, here's just another Bidenism for you about. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take over and I'm going to be I'm going to be real smart as Joe Biden because, you know, stuff. Play clip 16. When we win this election, we're going to get the support you need and the respect you deserve. You don't just have a partner in the White House. You'll have an NEA member in the White House. And if I'm not listening, I'm going to be sleeping alone in the Lincoln bedroom. What? An NEA member in the White House or he'll be sleeping alone in the Lincoln bedroom? What? This is and this is the stuff that you hear from him when he's hiding in the basement. You know, it's, it's not like he's out there for everyone to see and talk to and everything these days. No, no, no. These these are the the Bidenisms that make their way out from the you know hermetically sealed uh, environment that he's operating in. Right. That's that's the truth. This is what you're seeing of this guy. It's absurd. It's absurd. Oh, wait, there's more Biden. Uh, just rewriting history. People might call this a lie, but it's not clear when Biden says something that's not true, if he's just confused or if he really thinks it. Play clip 18. Uh, I, I, you know, I know there are a number of issues, everybody, but an immediate challenge is uh, the continued spread of the coronavirus and what it means in the upcoming school year. Look, we saw this, uh, this challenge coming. I've been calling for the president to address it for months since early, since late January. But Donald Trump failed to take any action on testing, contact tracing, creating responsible standards, uh, everything we need to do to get it under control. Calling for Trump to address it since late January. Gee, you know, I'm going to just start criticizing people. I call for Joe Biden to address global inequality. Why hasn't he fixed global inequality? I called for him to address it. I call for Joe Biden to address height disparity among American males. What is he going to... Jesse Kelly would love this one. What is he going to do about the fact that there are some people who are, you know, on the shorter end, and there are some people who are 6'6"? Why has... I've called on him to address this. I mean, address it how? What? Do what? 
You're going to do the Nancy Pelosi test take, test take, test take. What does that even mean now? That people can get tested all over the country. Okay, you get tested. You know, you find out that you're a young, healthy person with COVID-19. Then what? Oh, we're going to do tracing. That's how we're... No, you're not. The tracing thing is, is insane. They're catching one out of 10 actual transmissions that are happening every day. They're telling us 50,000 transmissions a day. That's 500,000 new cases a day in the country. They're going to track all those people down. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. You may have uh, exposed it. But they, they pretend like that's what they're going to do. Oh, it's so stupid. And they think that you're the crazy one. Or if you're listening to me and you agree with anything I'm saying, they think that we're the crazy people here. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for them to start looking at what is instead of what they have said in the past and what they want to be. There's it's a it's a very it's a complicated it's a complicated issue right now just to get the left, the Democrats, the libs to look at the most obvious truths of our fight against COVID-19 and look at those obvious truths about Joe Biden and admit them. Nope. No one will give any ground. No one will give any ground to facts, reason or sanity from the other side. They think that that's a weakness. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. My man DC Drano is back in the mix, better known to the authorities and the IRS as Rogan O'Handley. But he is the guy behind the DC Drano account, which does fantastic conservative memes, commentary and all the rest of it. Rogan, thanks for coming back, man. Appreciate you hanging out. Thanks for having me back on, Buck. Great to be here. So, my friend, tell me, what the heck is happening in America today? Let's just start at the broad. Well, I think uh, the left is waging a war on the entire foundation of this country, and the right is still talking politics. And that misalignment of where we are in terms of prioritizing this stuff is leading to lawlessness, property destruction, and anarchy and too many people on the right have been too quiet not me not you but uh it's time to wake up and take this very seriously what's going on this is no longer about george floyd this is about hating america and the very foundation that this country was built upon freedom liberty the rule of law now one of the areas where conservatives in the digital age have made cultural strides, I'd say, or at least where we have a a good arsenal in the culture war is on memes, right? Showing the hypocrisy in these, you know, pithy visualizations or short clips. And 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 this uh, we we can share this all over. I know this is how you've had such a a huge presence, uh, Rogan, online with the D.C. Drano account. But are are you do, do you feel like people are more afraid to share your stuff on their own Facebook pages? Like, do you hear from anybody who's like, look, man, I I love that meme, but I can't put that on my stuff because I work for, you know, in a tech corporation and I got to do my TPS reports and I don't want to get fired. Absolutely. We're living through a major double standard. People on the left can post whatever they want about whatever political belief they have, no matter how extreme. People on the right have to stay quiet. If you're a Trump supporter, if you're a conservative, if you love America, you have to stay quiet because if you make one small mistake in terms of how you frame your very moderate political positions, 
you will you could be targeted by a digital mob and fired from your job. I know multiple people that this has happened to. It's a shame. I, and, and I have a friend named David. He runs an account called Brokeback Patriot meme, meme account. He's got uh, over 70,000 followers. He posted All Lives Matter on his Facebook. He voted for Obama twice. He's gay. He got fired from his job of four years because two or three Antifa people, literal Antifa, who Trump has now designated domestic terrorists, said, we're going to boycott your company, your cafe, if you don't fire this employee. Two days later, he was fired. Unbelievable. Yeah, all, all lives matter. All, all lives matter is now something that is considered uh, a, a fireable offense, which just goes to show the degree of the insanity that, that we're talking about here. H- how could that even be? But that is where we are. I'm sure you might have seen that this uh, this aerospace executive who got fired from his job because 30 years ago he wrote an article about how he didn't think that women should be in forward deployed combat roles for X, Y fired today for what he wrote 30 years ago in an academic setting. This is the country. And, and, and now the left, Rogan, is telling us, oh, there is no culture war. This is a figment of, of the right's imagination. There's just responsibility for your actions. I mean, the gaslighting is thermonuclear. Thermonuclear. They, there is a culture war. In fact, it's probably the most important political battlefield right now. The left has almost entranced the right into thinking we cannot legislate morality. We should not be involved in the culture war. Government should not be involved, but that is all they are doing. They're attacking, they're infiltrating and attacking all cultural institutions. Hollywood wasn't enough. Academia wasn't enough. Now they're going into sports, NFL, NASCAR. They're trying to go after anything that shows some type of pride in America, some form of unity, where it doesn't matter what color skin you are. It just matters that we're all Americans together. They hate that. They say people on the right are causing the racial division. It's them. It's 100% them. Race relations were actually improving under Trump. The polls were there before the whole George Floyd thing, which was terrible, but they, they want this country to be divided because when we are divided, the left thrives. Speaking to Rogan O'Hanley, the man behind the D.C. Drano uh, Instagram and, and social media accounts, sharing memes. He's he's memeing the left all over the place. It's fantastic. And and I, I wanted to ask, though, Rogan, about whether they've come for you on the various platforms. You know, how, how do you gauge? Because people ask me this. Oh, what can I post or how far can I go? And I have to tell them, honestly, I, I don't know. Right. I, I, I don't know what your workplace will take action against you for. And I'm not even sure the workplace knows. They just sort of deal with it ad hoc, whatever scares them, whenever the mob yells. But also, uh, you know, I've had videos demonetized uh, off of YouTube and, and I'm a pretty polite guy. I got to. <laughs> but, you know, can't say, you know, can't say all lives matter. Can't put certain stuff on YouTube. How do you as somebody that's always out there in the culture war as a meme maker uh, deal with the constantly shifting rules around these platforms that are the best we've got right now. I know Parler is growing, but this is what we've got to deal with. I try and pay close attention to the the changing uh, community guidelines on the various platforms. I do try and respect them. I think that until Trump's executive order, which was a great start, until the spirit of it is enacted into legislation, 
federal law, state law, with people being able to hold these social media, you know, titans accountable in the courtroom for their censorship, for their acting like a publisher instead of a platform. Until those laws are in place, I, I try and I try and behave because when it comes down to it, they can delete you and you have almost no form of recourse to get your account back. So I try and obey the community guidelines. Um, for, for people that are, you know, have jobs, have businesses where politics is gonna have a, a negative, uh, you know, kind of toxic effect. I honestly, I say lay low right now. Things are a little crazy. I Until do too. we get some laws in place. Yeah, I, I, I will do everything I can to speak for you. I left my legal career so that they couldn't fire me. Right. I, I have found ways to, to keep myself financially afloat, but I have so many people from celebrities down to local police that say, thank you for speaking up. You have a lot of silent supporters and it's a damn shame that we in America cannot publicly support the president of the United States, the constitution or our flag without worrying that our livelihood is going to be taken away from us. That is what motivates me. That's what makes me want to fight even harder to make sure that people can, so we can have freedom of speech again. DC Drano, everybody. Rogan O'Hanley is the man behind it. Check out his accounts on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Rogan, man, thank you for the work you do and for joining us. We appreciate it. Stay in the fight, my friend. Thank you, and all the work you do as well, Buck. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Roll call time, everybody. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to email us. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to Facebook message us. And let's get to it, shall we? But uh, but first, oh, and remember to go to BuckSexton.com. We post things there. And we'll have a Buck Brief up on Facebook, uh, if not later today, certainly by tomorrow. Please watch it, share it, send it around. And let's get to it, shall we? Uh, we have, oh wait, producer Mark, how was your 4th of July weekend slash Independence Day celebration? Uh, different than usual. I did see some friends uh, on Friday and uh, we watched Hamilton on Saturday, stayed in. But uh, All right, and tell tell everybody your review of Hamilton, it's okay. It's it's great. Yeah. I mean, I uh, what now everyone says about it, it is true. Now we're going to have to, I'm going to have to watch it. I don't know, I'm shocked you didn't already. Yeah, I know. Well, I wasn't going to pay $700 to see it on Broadway, you know? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a much better experience. I mean, I, I told my wife, I got you front row tickets. I cooked you dinner. I didn't have to pay for parking. I didn't have to pay for a crappy dinner around Midtown. And there was nobody else around. It was great. Yeah. I, I, I'm a... That, I just got to say, I mean, if... I'm not somebody that really tends to be a, a live and in-person guy. I prefer to watch things or enjoy things in my own environment where I control everything. So that's just me. So even like going to an NFL game versus watching NFL game at home and having the barbecue that I've picked up or whatever food I've got, it, you know, it, I just, I'm one of those. Well, it depends on the sport there. NFL, I agree, is a football sport, but like a hockey game, something different about it in person. 
Yeah, it's awesome to be next to a giant ice cube so you can be freezing. Oh, my God. You live in New York, and you have most of your life. Yeah, I know, but it's still very cold. I've been to hockey games. <laughs> very cold. Uh, I mean, I, yes, but wear a sweater. I mean, what do you want me to say? That's a fair point. Okay, let's get to it. Bill, first up, to the great producer Mark, and he whose name that shall not be spoken. I feel deceived because for months we've been promised a Siege of Malta podcast. This has not been a promise you kept. I shall not raise my team shield until I am able to hear the Siege of Malta. Thank you. All right, all right, Bill, I know, I know. You and Bruce Mark, and Mark. It's just, guys, I, I swear, I'm working. Even Mark knows that I work long hours. I'm just, I'm constantly in the hustle, but uh, I will do it. I just don't want to do a bad version of it, but I think I'm going to do an extemporaneous kind of just like, here's, here's Siege of Malta. Here's what you got to know, and just do the podcast, and I think that's where we're going to go. So that'll be fun. I mean, my advice would be stop saying things on air that you're not going to actually do. There you go. Huh? Or, or maybe I'm just going to do it, and then I will have kept all promises. That's true. Yeah, hmm? that's also a possibility. Speaking of which, 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Producer Mark wants a flood of post-Independence Day voicemails to listen to this week. I assure you. So light him up. 844-900-2825. He does Oh, no, no. Mrs. Mark is like, hey, I ordered us some like great you know, Chinese take it. He's like, no, honey, I can't. I must listen to the Team Buck voicemails. Touche. So, exactly. Thomas, uh, I think it's... Oh, wait, no, we'll go to Grant. Sorry. Good evening, Buck. I'm a new podcast listener. Thank you for all you do. You and a handful of others are today's equivalent to the military heroes who stormed Normandy. You guys are risking everything to save America. Thank you for such a phenomenal podcast. Grant, you are far too kind, but Mark and I are just guys trying to do what we can to spread the spread the the truth about america so i i, I don't i can't say i can't say that we're uh, in the same conversation as the heroes who actually stormed the beaches at normandy but ideologically speaking if you wanted to move it into that kind of a context but we do really appreciate the support and the kind words and uh and yeah i mean obviously if i were a lib i'd be like a bajillionaire already and everybody would always be talking about how great i was but uh, i'm a conservative so in new york that means people hate your guts uh, let's see, Thomas, I think it's pretty obvious by now, Buck, that Tony Fauci will keep the momentum and hysteria going until he gets what he needs to fulfill his campaign. If we want to end this nightmare of lockdowns, illegal dictates and insane punishments for violation of them, then we must stop playing this fool's game of hide from the virus. National civil unrest is required. Everyone just throw away the face masks, is, ignore the guidelines, and go about living our lives normally. Let Fauci gather his testing results as quickly as possible until he has tested at least 80% of the population and then realizes how futile it has all been. He will test until the next decade if no one stops him. Once his data shows that 99% of those tested positive failed to get sick, he will have to stop. It's just a futile exercise at that point if the public continues to be accommodating sheep this will go on indefinitely well into next year and beyond fauci will not stop until the funding ends and he is told to stop shields high uh thomas thank you for your thoughts here yeah i think that this is we've look i know that we've gone way beyond what we were supposed to because in the early days of this there were promises made in effect to the public this is just about hospital capacity this is a temporary measure this is just dealing with the most extreme situation uh, because that's what we're in right now, but we'll get out of it as quickly as 
we can. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. Uh, I, I think that we've been dragged into a much longer. I know we've been dragged into a much longer lockdown than they said they would. And they're changing the rules as they go along. And uh, yeah, this when is this going to stop? When do we get our lives back? What, what does it take? What's that benchmark? No, no coronavirus cases, because that is going to be probably never. So let's just be honest about it, folks. Johnny. Hey, Buck. Haven't heard my name, uh, my location mentioned on roll call. Bangkok, Thailand. Woo. Yeah, Johnny. It's exciting. Doing a great job, both you and producer Mark. I chuckle when you talk about being aware, being unaware of anything current pop culture. Consider that an asset. Retired Army, 1993, and now live more than half my life in Asia. Love the USA, but do enjoy the continuing adventure. Shields high. Well, Johnny, producer Mark and I, now we got a member of the team to visit. We go into, go into Bangkok to party. Producer Mark, you ever been to Thailand? I haven't. Have great you? Place. Huh? Yeah, oh yeah. A lot of fun. I like Thai food. Thai food is, and it's, and it's phenomenal there. Uh, so I would, I would hope so. True story, though. Chinese food in America for American palates often, and I found this to be the case, preferable to Chinese food in China. Well, yeah, because we have Americanized Chinese food. That's right. Of course. Whereas, like, what you're used to as pad thai when you're in Thailand, that's what it tastes like, too, except their version might be a little fresher, a little better, uh, that you'll get even on the street in street carts and such. But yeah, Chinese food is uh, is a different a different situation in in my humble opinion. It's, there's some Italians I know that say chicken parm is not an Italian dish. Same thing. Is that really true? Yeah, I have an Italian friend who's adamant that chicken parm is not a thing. So I it was explained to me that calling in the red sauce gravy because a lot of people weighed in on this one. Calling a red sauce gravy is an Italian American thing. So you do this in like the in in the outer reaches of Queens, Staten Island, and Long Island. Yeah, and Jersey. Producer Nick, producer Nick is weighing in on this. What do you got? Neither is spaghetti and meatballs. Spaghetti and meatballs is also not a technically Italian dish; it's American dish. They right? don't talk like this. Yeah, I I see the Sopranos. I know how they talk. I know the things. I mean, they may not be actual Italian dishes, but they're delicious. Oh, that's for sure. Huh? That is for sure. Um, what is the what is your favorite? It, and producer Nick, you too. You can you you tell me this one on the text. Producer Mark, the best single you get one Italian dish as your last meal on earth. What is it? I think I've said this before. My favorite meal, period, is chicken parm. Oh, chicken parm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Chicken parm is very good. I would have to agree. Producer Nick goes chicken marsala. That's mm. a strong, strong choice as well. I'm getting hungry. No, no, I, I, I got to say, that's, that's pretty good. For me, I, I've got to say a really good carbonara or a cacio e pepe is probably what I'd go. I mean, carbonara for me, when it's done right, is like the greatest thing in the world. And I can eat a pound of it, but... It's unfortunately not diet food. So if you're looking to trim a few LBs, I would not go heavy on the carbonara. Is it slightly healthier because it's gluten-free? Or is that just nope. a myth? Exactly the oh. same. In terms of calories, exactly the same. In fact, gluten-free products often have a little bit higher calories than the equivalent. So like gluten-free bread 
can sometimes have more calories than the normal bread you eat. And calories a calorie, my man, when you're talking about carbs. So, yeah, nope, no, no advantage. People are like, oh, I'm eating gluten free. I'm being so healthy. It's like, nah, I mean, maybe gluten is bad for your system. It depends if you're like me, you have celiac disease or not. Or some people have in, in a, uh, a lower level. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not an allergy, but a tolerance. Yeah, I think in people use intolerance. I think technically intolerance means celiac disease. But anyway, uh, they have a sensitivity. That's the word I'm looking for, a sensitivity to gluten. Um, but yeah, it doesn't make it's not like if you eat gluten free, you're going to be skinny. Unfortunately, as I have found out, eating a lot of ice cream, which is generally gluten free during the pandemic. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right. Next up on roll call, Sue. Hi, Buck and producer Mark. I thought you might be interested in this quote from New Jersey Governor Murphy at his June 29th press conference with regard to requiring travelers from hotspots to quarantine. And so this is simply, frankly, I never thought I'd say these words. If I could build a wall around us or our region, I would, but we can't. And so we have to rely on personal responsibility and the right behavior, the common sense for the common good. End of quote. Do you suppose he means that he supports the wall on our southern border? Sue, I see what you did there. Um, no, of course not. Walls on the southern border, we are told, will not, do not work. But a wall to keep people out of New Jersey. Look, he was being, uh, I don't know if the word is facetious or hyperbolic or, but, you know, he, he wasn't. I don't think he really meant that they should build a wall around New Jersey. But I see your point, Sue, that walls obviously work. It is a little distressing that states that at one point, New York and New Jersey were like, Hey, don't don't ban our people from coming to visit your state when it was really bad here. And now we're like, oh, whoa, Texas and Florida and Georgia and Arizona. Don't come up into the Northeast, you know, so another another double standard set by Democrat politicians here. It's either we're are we all in this together or not? You know, it seems to change depending on the day. Paul, who is the snow princess? What's with the name? I think I missed that episode. Paul, the snow princess is. Uh, is my girlfriend who is from a cold part of the United States. And that is her code name as a result of that. And that's all. So there you go. There you go. Nick. Hey, Buck. We've also I, I like to keep uh, some like to keep the private life a bit a bit private. I think that's that's been a, a life lesson. Nick. Uh, hey, Buck. I found you on iHeartRadio and love the show. I'm a U.S. Navy vet. And your commentary meshes perfectly with my beliefs. Unfortunately, I don't think your message is reaching enough people. Keep it up and God bless. Nick, thank you so much. and Thank you for your service. I would say that I agree with you because I think the, the message of this show is never really reaching enough people because I wanted to reach everyone in the country who agrees and who sees the world in, in a similar fashion. And even people who don't agree. I want libs to listen to the show, too. Maybe I can convert them to sanity. So, yes, indeed. Um Please do pass the buck. And to everyone listening, I keep saying it because I'm hoping more and more of you will do it. Get one or two people in your life to start listening to the Buck Sexton Show. Have this be their podcast when they wake up in the morning or this po their podcast when they're done with work for the day, when they're getting ready for dinner or trying to relax a little bit. You know, put it on and always tell them they don't have to listen to the whole show. You know, they can space it out. Listen to the first 30, 40 minutes. You know, I, I think if you if you're a conservative, you want to know what's going on in the country. I would hope that you think that listening to the first 30 or 40 minutes of the Buck Sexton show 
gets you where you need to be in terms of knowing what really is happening in the country that matters right now. That is my goal. Brad, reporting live on the ground in Austin, listen to Mark. The mayor here is a lib. He has proposed a mandatory mask rule with the possibility of a 35-day lockdown any minute. There are more homeless under every overpass than there are in Hollywood outside Adam Schiff's office. This place has a fun vibe for a night out, but it also has the vibe of a hot and humid San Francisco without the bridge and bay. Ouch. The nail needs to be put in the coffin of the Freedom Hut ever moving to Austin. I hear the last stronghold is Fort Worth. Choose wisely. Wow, Brad. Producer Mark, how much do you and your Florida relatives pay off producer Brad? I just want to know. We're giving Brad producer credit already? Oh, no, you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, nothing. This just know. his real opinion. This, sound, this, sounds like a, this sounds like an anti-Texas scam being run by Team Buck Florida, which we appreciate. We appreciate that, but I'm just saying. I'll start sending like you Buck. real estate listing, listings. Yeah, it feel, feels like Team Buck Florida is like, I don't think so, Texas. You're not getting the Freedom Hut. I'm just saying. I think that's where this is. So we'll I'm see. okay team, with it. T- <laughs> yeah, I know you are. Team Buck Texas is like, we, we, know, we know where Buck's heart is, though. So it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be tough. Uh, Crow. That's the cool name. Greetings, Mr. Buckster and producer Mark. I miss the Buck slap. Every time you play a silly liberals diatribe, a momentary pause, and I hear a few buck slaps in my head. The worse the liberal, the more buck slaps I hear. Uh, only you won't you don't play them. Wish you would. Listening to KFAB most evenings, even though I'm down in southwest New Mexico. Also of note, named my new cat Buck, a feral wildcat. He liked listening to your radio program and it helped me to rehabilitate him. Now he is a good pet. I call him the Buckster. Shields, hi to you, my man. May God help us out of this mess. Crow, you have great names. Crow and Buckster. These are very powerful, excellent names. Producer Mark, do you have the buck slap on the board? Like if we wanted to do it, could you do it? I think it's been lost in our uh, work from home move. Hmm. It's back if I found studio. it and gave it to you, could we start using a buck slap again? Sure. I think I think the buck slap is in the is in the Freedom Hut archive somewhere. I probably have it somewhere. I'd have to really dig. Andy, hey, Buck and Mark, I guess the main message is thank you. With all the crap we have to deal with, you and the other conservative voices making fun of it allows me to breathe. Just tells me I'm not alone. Every chance I get, I wear my Gadsden flag, Trump shirt, etc. Uh, it lets people know they agree with me that it's okay to stand up and express your conservative beliefs. If someone sees my shirt, I hope they say, you know, maybe I'll wear mine. Uh, plus, liberals don't have guns. Conservatives need to play offense. God bless you guys. Very str- Oh. God bless you, too, man. Andy, that's the show. I had to run quick at the end there. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Shield high.